Hello and welcome to the Chase Family Church podcast. Today we have Richard Ward speaking on the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And applaud before I've started, it might be rubbish. I sort of feel um, now I get this annual preach, I feel I should have a theme tune. Maybe I should commission one from Pete for next year. Today's reading comes from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. That's nothing to do with today's talk. It's just a warning to you all about mocking the afflicted. Now, we've had a spate of engagements in the church recently. Um, is, is two a spate? I don't know. I don't know how many a spate is, but we've had two. Um, and I always like to hear about people's engagement stories. Um, so I know uh, Pete and Rose got engaged in the garden in the end. There's various reasons for that. Um, Callum and Claire got engaged in Greece on holiday. Um, and I proposed to Abby on the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Now, I'm not saying I'm better than Pete and Callum. That's, that's for other people to say. I'm, I'm just presenting the facts. Um, uh, next month, Abby and me will be married 10 years. Um, and actually, we're going back to Paris to celebrate that. Um, and I remember in the early days, um, uh, you know how sort of couples have silly little arguments. Um, and one time, Abby said, look, if you don't stop doing the flamingo impressions, I'm going to leave you. In the end, I had to put my foot down. Ah, shut up. Look, you only have to put up with this once a year, all right? So let's just get through it, and we'll be fine. So I mentioned engagement as a segue, and so obviously that's a prelude to marriage. Um, and in the context of marriage, often children come along. Um, I was raised as an only child, uh, which really annoyed my sister. Um, and many of you have followed us onto our, on our journey into parenthood over the last, um, well, not quite 10 years, obviously we got married 10 years ago, um, but many of you followed us on that journey and supported us, and we appreciate that. Um, so now we have two children. We've got Dennis, who was five in May, and Veronica, who's nearly 19 months old. Um, so I was thinking about being a parent. Um, I found that a surprising amount of parenting a five-year-old is telling them or stopping them picking up snails. Um, maybe that's just five-year-old boys. But, um, and I don't think before I, had parent, before I had children, I don't think I ever used the words... Stop shouting at the owls before, but in Forty Hall when um, uh, we had uh, an animal thing, Dennis was a bit lively. Um, but I was thinking about being a parent, and these verses came to mind. Um, this is Luke 18, verses 15 to 17. This is this is a real a real reading now. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place their hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So it made me think, well, what are little children like? What can we learn from them to help us receive the kingdom of God like a little child and to have a better relationship with God? So I'm going to start with a controversial one. Children are obedient. I'll just pause there to wait for the parents in the room to stop laughing. Um, Because famously, kids aren't that obedient, are they? Uh, I'm always encouraged if I'm in a playground with Dennis and uh, I see other children just completely ignoring their parents' pleas to do something or to stop 
doing something always makes me think, oh good, it's not just me then. Um, but I think generally I would say children are more obedient than adults, um, particularly with authority figures. And when push comes to shove, you can usually get children to do um, what you tell them. Being, hang on, being, is it too high? Oh, okay. Is that, is that better or worse? Now you can see my face. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, okay, thanks, uh, Jay. Um, yeah, so when push comes to shove, you can usually get children uh, to do what you want them to do. And as we get older, of course, we become more independent and less willing to obey other people. One of the top songs that people request at their funeral is My Way. Um, I had a look at um, the co-op funeral chart. We <laughs> knew that was a thing. Um, it's number two at the moment. Um, it was apparently down from, num from 2019 when it was top, but it's, it's always up there. And that song, I mean, it is a, it's a great song, but the words glorify doing things your own way. It's seen as, seen as commendable in current society to do things your own way. But the Bible calls us to obedience. It calls us to do things God's way. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commands. But it's not that easy, is it? I, I like this passage in Romans 7. Um, this is verses 18 and 19. This is Paul talking. Um, For I know, the good it, I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep that I keep on doing. And you can sense Paul's frustration in those verses. Um, he knows what the right thing to do is. He wants to do the right thing. Um, but he finds himself, or keeps finding himself impossible, you know, unable to do that. Um, and I don't know if you ever feel like that, but I certainly do. I really identify with those verses. Um, so we get a clue about how to do better in James 4, verses 7 and 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he shall come near to you. He will come near to you, sorry, my version says. Um, and it's an often quoted verse, but sometimes people live out the bit about submitting to God, but that's a prerequisite um, for the rest. Um, so I read John 14, 15 earlier, uh, so I'm going to read that again, but this time I'm going to continue with verses 16 and 17. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So let's submit to God, resist the devil, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, be more obedient to God. Next one, children are trusting. When babies are born, they form an attachment to their parents. The child is hungry, the parents feed them. The child is dirty, the parents clean them. The child is hurt or upset, the parents comfort them. Children learn to trust their parents and they come to know that their parents are their safe people. Dennis will sometimes fling himself off the stairs or a climbing frame yelling, catch me daddy. And I haven't missed him yet, um, but he's learned that he can trust me and that I will keep him safe. As we become older, we become more cynical and with good reason, not everyone can be trusted. But the Bible tells us to trust God. John 14, 1 says this, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. 
some years ago, it was a Father's Day, and Abby and myself went to her church. I think we were visiting a family, obviously, because it was Father's Day. Um, and the preach was about God as a father, because it was Father's Day. Um, and after the preach, the guy who was preaching did a Q&A. He just, if anyone's got any questions. Um, and I had, a, I had a question, which I thought was actually quite important, so I put my hand up. And he went to someone else, and this, this kind of continued. Um, and then he said, oh, I'm going to ask one more question. I'll answer one more question. So I put my hand up, as I had every other time. He went to someone else, and I thought, oh, well. Um, anyway, he answered that question. And then he said, because he knew me a little bit, because obviously I'd visited a reasonable number of times when I was visiting, visiting Abby. He said, oh, um, oh, Richard's had his hand up this whole time, so uh, let me just answer his question. Um, and my question was this. Um, how do we relate to a God as a father if our own father was neglectful or even abusive. And I want to make it clear, as I did then, that that was not my experience. I had a very good father. Um, he had his flaws, as we all do, but generally we, we had a good relationship. Um, but I figured, you know, it was quite a big church. It is quite a big church. So I think, yeah, there'll be some people in this room, and that was their experience, um, and they would relate to that. And maybe there are some people here, and that was your experience, or people watching online. And I can't remember how the guy who's uh, leading answered the question, but... I'm going to tell you what my answer is to that question. Firstly, if that was your experience, then I'm sorry that was your experience. But God isn't like a human father. Even the best human fathers have flaws, but God doesn't. This is Matthew 7, verses 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more would your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is our perfect Father. He can be trusted. So let's trust him like little children trust their parents. Children are not self-conscious. Um, given half the chance, my mum will regale you with stories of how when I was about Dennis's age, I was the life and soul of the party. I, when the music came on, I was the first up and dancing, dragging people onto the dance floor, um, yeah, and apparently then I would sort of go and curl up on one of their laps and have a nap while everyone else was left dancing. Um, and apparently another time, I think this was at school, I apparently led a conga line around the class um, singing, hit me with your rhythm stick, which <laughs> I think we can all agree proves that I've always had excellent taste in music. Um, but now, but then as I got older, I became self-conscious. I'm no good at dancing. I think I look silly, and I don't like doing it. I, as, as people who've been at Firestorm Silent Discos, uh, will attest, I stand there in the corner a bit awkward, and actually on our wedding day, um, we just about managed to shuffle around slowly first dance, and then scarpered, because Abby's, Abby's quite similar, So, and we scarpered and just spent the rest of the evening chatting to our mates, which was great for me. Um, so, because uh, one of my personality traits is I don't look, I don't like doing things that I'm no good at. What, what do you mean, why am I preaching then? <laughs> Rude. Um, but the Bible calls us to praise God and worship God in an unselfconscious way. This is Psalm 150, verses 3 to 5. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. And this is Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. 
And in 2 Samuel 6, we get a practical example of this. Uh, this is verse 14. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And verse 16 talks about David leaping and dancing before the Lord. Um, now, I didn't know. I, did, I didn't deliberately coordinate with Pippa uh, in her talk and mine, but I did tell her what I was talking about. That When I told her that, I didn't know she was doing the, the kids' talk this morning, but that was a conscious coordination. I didn't know that Julia was going to be doing the ribbon dancing this morning, but that's quite a nice little tie-in um, with, with this part of the talk. Um, and note that worship is not a response to our feelings. It's a way to develop feelings towards God and draws us closer to God. Uh, 2 Samuel twelve twenty says this, and the context of this is David's baby dying. Um, then David got up from the floor, washed himself, put lotions on, and changed his clothes. Then he went into the Lord's house to worship. David worshipped despite his feelings, not because of them. So let's praise and worship God in an unselfconscious way, however we feel. Children are not limited by reality or by what's realistic. Dennis just finished reception at school, and as a leaving present, um, the teachers got each child a book. And what they'd done is they'd asked the children what they want to do when they grow up. They'd written it on a piece of card and held it up, taken a photo, and they'd pasted that photo into the inside cover of the book. And it's a nice little keepsake for uh, Dennis as he, as he gets older. Um, and at this age, when you ask the child want, what they want to do, they're not limited by what, what's realistic. I mean, Dennis, Dennis is one says he wants to be a train driver, which is not surprising because he loves playing trains. And that's a fairly realistic ambition. He could, he could potentially do that. Um, but there was a bit of chatter on the WhatsApp group um, for the class, and one of the children wanted to be an astronaut. Now, that's a real job. But how many people actually get to become astronauts? It's not really a realistic aim for most people. Um, but children aren't limited by that. There's a quote that's often reeled out um, by jo it's, it's John Lennon's uh, aunt, Mimi, who pretty much raised John. His, his father was absent and his, his mum was kind of absent as well and then died when he was quite young. Um, and when John Lennon was getting into music, Aunt Mimi said, well, the guitar's all right as a hobby, John, but you'll never make a living at it. And that quote is often reeled out as one of those, ah, shows what she know kind of gotchas, but I'm kind of on Aunt Mimi's side. How many people grow up wanting to be rock and roll stars and actually end up doing that? Very, very few. But children don't think that, like that. They're not limited by reality or what, or what we're aware of as what's realistic as we get older. Um, this is Matthew 19, verses 24 to 26. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When Kevin spoke about healing some time ago, he said children were great at praying for healing because they just expect it to happen. They just have that simple faith. They don't, they're not jaded by experience of disappointment. Um, they just, yeah, they just think things are going to happen when they pray for them. Um, so let's not limit God. Let's, let's pray big prayers and expect God to do impossible things. I've got two that are quite similar, um, which are a bit quicker. So first one, children want to spend time with their parents. Right now, Dennis wants to spend time with me. He'll often grab my hand and ask me to play with him. When he's older, he won't have that desire. I'd like to think he'll still want to spend time with me, but he won't have that need to like he does at the moment. 
Do we have that desire to spend time with God or do we get distracted uh, by other things? This is Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. It's a story you'll be very, very familiar with. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's very easy these days to get distracted by TV or technology, hobbies and interests. Does spending time with God become an afterthought? Let's try and retain that childlike desire to spend time with our Heavenly Father. And similar to that, children want to be like their parents. Parents are the first role model that children have, and they often want to be like their parents. As Christians, we should be trying to be more like Jesus. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And John 13, verses 13 to 15 says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Let's make Jesus our role model and try to become more like him. Children are dependent. Some animals have young that are almost or entirely self-sufficient from birth. When a horse has a, a foal, the foal can get up and walk within a few hours of birth. Human babies take a year or more to learn that skill and longer to learn how to talk. Human children are basically born not ready because our brains aren't big enough. Well, our brains are big, and if we were born when our brains were big enough to be ready, then we wouldn't get out. Um, <laughs> let me, <laughs> don't want to draw any diagrams, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so we're born um, kind of helpless, um, and it takes most of, children, most of our childhood to become truly independent from our parents. And children know that they are dependent on their parents. Dennis will often ask me to help him, help him with help, help him with things. Yes, sorry, <laughs> um, because yeah, he knows that he needs help from me on certain things. Um, now, of course, as parents, we want our children to become independent. It's almost the job of a parent to equip our children for the world, um, and maybe that's why people feel they don't need to be dependent on God. I quite like. I think it's Nicky Gumbel's response to people who sneer at Christianity, calling it a crutch. His response is something along the lines of, well, yes, it is, but I need a crutch, don't you? We all have a God-shaped hole in our life. A lot of people try and fill that hole with the pleasures of this world, but ultimately, only God will fit there. This is John 15, verses 4 and 5. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Let's not try to do things in our own strength. Let's remember that we are dependent on God. Now, I know what you're all thinking. 
You're telling all these ways that we need to be more like children. But doesn't Hebrews 5 tell us not to be immature like children? Well, let's read it. Hebrews 5, verses 11 to 14 says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And there's this verse from the famous passage on love in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So is that a contradiction? Well, I would suggest there is a difference between childish and childlike. The first of those generally has negative connotations. Adults who sulk or have tantrums would be called childish. But adults who retain a more positive traits of childhood are said to be childlike. Someone might be said to have a childlike innocence. C.S. Lewis said this, I now enjoy Tolstoy and Jane Austen and Trollope as well as fairy tales, and I call that growth. If I had to lose the fairy tales in order to acquire the novelists, I would not say that I had grown, but only that I had changed. A tree grows because it, had, because it adds rings. So he's saying that we can grow and mature while still retaining childlike qualities. We can say childlike without being childish. So the final one, um, and we're about to watch a short video. I'll call for it in a minute, Pete. Um, and a slight trigger warning. This video can be a bit uh, hard to watch. Um, it's because as a child in it, it becomes a bit, bit upset. Um, it's a video of something called the still face experiment. Um, and it's an experiment in psychology where a parent is, parent and a child, quite a young child, probably under one, and the parent is interacting with a child like parents do, um, responding to the child and interacting with them. The parent is asked to turn away from the child. Um, sorry, I'm getting emotional thinking about this. It's, it's, it's quite an emotional video, actually. Um, and then they turn to face the child again. Um, but this time, uh, they don't react to them. Um, so this is how the child reacts. If we can have the video. So even, even after a couple of minutes, the, um, the child becomes visibly and audibly distressed. And of course, the mother comforts the child. 
um, before they become too upset because the, the point of the experiment is to show how children need that interaction. And we saw that in the context of some training we did around neglect. Um, yeah, you can imagine if that's how distressed a child becomes after a couple of minutes, you can imagine the long-term and serious effects that neglect has on the child. Um, but young children need to seek their parents' face. They need to be with them. Psalm 27 says this. Um, this is verse, I think this is 8 and 9. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your Lord face I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have, by my, you have been, my, been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my saviour. Let's have that need to seek God's face like a young child seeks its parents. Um, so if Pete could come. I just asked Pete to play a little bit of music while I recap. Um, so I've just got, I'm just going to finish by recapping and some challenges and questions for you and very much for myself as well. Um, I'm going to say we because it doesn't, you know, applies to me as much if not more than I'm sure a lot of you. Um, so are we being obedient to God or do we want to do things my way? Are we trusting God or have experiences with earthly parents or other people made that difficult? Are we worshipping God as we should or are we too self-conscious? Are we expecting the impossible or are we limiting God in our prayers to what we think is possible? Are we emulating human role models and heroes or trying to be more like Jesus? Are we doing things in our own strength or are we acknowledging our dependence on God? Are we distracted and making time with God an afterthought or are we longing to spend time with God? And are we seeking God's faith, face? If you're struggling with it in those areas and need prayer, then obviously there's people around to pray with you as always. And I'm just going to finish by reading Psalm 105. This is verses 1 to 4. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known amongst the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always.